welcome to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your hosts, Emma D'Souza and Jake D'Souza. Before we get started, I want to do a shout out to our new Patreon, Nori. Hi, and thank you for supporting us. Thank you, Nori. For all other listeners, if you'd like to sign up to our Patreon, you can do so via our show notes. This week, we wanted to discuss political accountability. Of course, you'd be hard-pushed to find anybody on the island of Ireland who would have missed the scandal and fallout from the Arachdas Golfing Society dinner in County Galway. In the middle of a global pandemic, the Irish government had to restrict the lockdown measures due to arising cases. So the amount of people that were able to gather outdoors was pulled back to be 15 and the number of people who could gather indoors was pulled back to just be six. Of course, within two days, we had 81 people having a golfing society dinner in County Galway. Many of those that attended were in fact senators, political representatives, an EU commissioner and a Supreme Court judge, all of whom should have known better than to go and have a massive gathering, which of course went against the newly announced restrictions on public gatherings. Within seven days, Golfgate, as it's become known, has ended the careers of an EU commissioner, an agricultural minister, a former RTE broadcaster, and multiple Fine Gael and Fianna Foyle senators lost the whip. We don't know what will come of Supreme Court just... (laughs) This is a hard thing to say. We don't know what will come of Supreme Court Justice Seamus Wolf. A real shit show all around, guys. Uh, but uh, from the perspective of someone from Northern Ireland, I did find myself looking on at this political catastrophe and this fallout, watching these people either voluntarily resign or forcibly be removed from office. Um thinking to myself, man, what must it be like to have political representatives that take accountability when they make mistakes? Because, of course, up here, it feels like our political representatives can just about do or say anything and get away with it. So I thought I would take a little bit of a look at uh, the history of resignations from political representatives in Northern Ireland and when the last time was that actually happened. Of course, many of us will remember in 2017 when Martin McGuinness resigned as Deputy First Minister over the RHI scandal. This, of course, uh, resulted in almost three years of having no government at Stormont. But that was definitely the most high profile and most recent resignation that is notable in Northern Ireland. Of course, it's notable that Martin McGuinness resigned through no fault of his own. He did so because he felt there needed to be an independent inquiry into the renewable heat incentive scandal. The renewable heat incentive scheme cost the public purse almost 500 million and was overseen by Arlene Foster, who is the leader of the Democratic Unionist Party and the first minister. Foster had failed to introduce proper cost controls, allowing the scheme to spiral completely out of control, and in 2017 refused to step aside to allow for there to be an independent inquiry, which then led to the resignation of Martin McGuinness, which collapsed the government and forced uh, almost three years of no uh, Stormont Assembly here, which was quite a long time. So that was the most recent 
resignation of a political figure here in Northern Ireland. And as I said, notable in that he resigned uh, not through anything he did himself. Going back a bit further, there was also a resignation in 2015 by Jim Wells, who resigned as a Northern Ireland health minister over shock horror, homophobic remarks. The resignation was prompted after a doorstep exchange with a lesbian couple in which he told them he did not agree with their lifestyle. The week previous, he told a debate in Downpatrick that child abuse was more rife among same-sex couples. Quote, you don't bring up a child in a homosexual relationship, that a child is far more likely to be abused and neglected. Of course, the PSNI investigated both instances because they were absolutely appalling, abhorrent, and completely baseless. And I mean, I would say that they were both uh, hate crimes. Going back a little bit further, takes us all the way back to 2008. So there's a seven-year gap there between uh, Jim Wells and this previous incident, which was Ian Paisley Jr., also of the DUP. He resigned from his position as a junior minister in the Northern Ireland Assembly amid controversy around his links to developer Seymour Sweeney and allegations that he lobbied on his behalf. Of course, controversy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Sean Connery. (laughs) Of course, controversy continues to follow the now MP, including two undeclared family holidays paid for by the Sri Lankan government, which he then went on to lobby for. He was sanctioned for this particular incident. This was followed by another undeclared luxury holiday to the Maldives. He still will not actually reveal who paid for that holiday. Ian Paisley Jr., of course, is also known for having the highest expenses of any MP in the United Kingdom. Of course, that was 2013, to be fair, uh, in which he had 232000 in expenses on top of his substantial salary. Hot damn. All right. Uh, Of course, each year since then, his expenses have remained pretty much the same. If we go to 2016, they were 208,312. 2017, 190,626. 2018, 207,742 pounds in expenses on top of his salary. I can't even tell which one of these are the dates or the prices. <sighs> I know, they are so high. So in, in his uh, political career, it's safe to say that Ian Paisley Jr. is really raking it in. It's worth uh, noting also that in terms of MPs with the highest expense claims that in 2013, with Ian Paisley Jr. top of the list as the highest expense claims for any MP in the UK, he was followed by another DUP MP, Jim Shannon, who had the second highest expenses claim of any MP in the United Kingdom. Speaking of expenses, in 2019, another example is when he billed a Belfast charity almost £6,000 for a first-class flight to New York for a peace conference. Worth noting that the Thanista Simon Coveney gave a speech at the same event. He flew economy on budget airline Norwegian Air and his government department paid for it. So it seems like Ian Paisley Jr. is living the high life in terms of his luxury paid for holidays by governments around the world, which he then goes on to lobby for, and his expense claims and his general 
uh, raking in as much as he can, it seems, from all sources, be it a charity, be it a government department, be it a random uh, foreign government. While we're on the subject of Ian Paisley Jr. and uh, separate from his expense claims and his resignation in 2008, 2008 was also a substantial year for his public comments. He publicly commented that dissident Republicans should be shot on sight in 2008. Lovely. He's referred to same-sex relationships as, quote, immoral and offensive, Mm. saying that he is, quote, pretty repulsed by gay and lesbianism that, quote, those people harm themselves and without caring about it, harm society. So glad to know that this guy has a job as a public representative. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you another member of the DUP. That brings us to a grand total of three high-profile resignations over the space of 12 years in Northern Ireland. That is uh, quite a contrast compared to the almost double that that we had in the South in the space of one week over Gulfgate, which is surprising considering that Northern Ireland is a region plagued with just unchecked abuses when it comes to our political representatives and public office. The coronavirus pandemic has proven to be a difficult time for not just all of us everyday normal people on the ground, but for our political representatives and those in public office. The pandemic has exposed a bit of a um, one rule for them, one rule for us mindset within some that hold public office. There have been a number of scandals over the past couple of months, both here in Northern Ireland and, of course, uh, elsewhere in the United Kingdom. For starters, I'll get into the Dominic Cummings scandal at peak lockdown. After more than seven weeks of refusing to offer any semblance of an acknowledgement, let alone explanation, for his trip to Durham from London during lockdown, Dominic Cummings finally graced us with an extraordinarily convoluted, less-than-half-baked, unapologetic statement, in which he took zero accountability and insisted the people judging him would be intelligent enough to recognize how special he was and undoubtedly grant him (laughs) immunity from the repercussions of his flagrant violation of his own imposed rules. Highlights include traveling 250 miles for alleged family support, from his 65-plus-year-old parents when the guidelines explicitly instructed people not to do so at risk of infecting such vulnerable members of the public, especially considering he had other family in London where he was to begin with. He also broke isolation to go to hospital, which, of course, was also against the rules. And, this one's a doozy, he went for a leisure walk in the woods, and I feel like he might have done so to play with his kid, I can't remember, too many absurd skirtings of his own rules to keep track. Well, my personal favorite has to be the drive to Barnard Castle. Ah, uh, yeah. Peak ludicrousy was the trip to Barnard Castle uh, to, quote, test his eyesight before driving to London. The well-known beauty spot he happened to use as the destination for his self-administered driving test uh, on no less than his wife's birthday. For fuck's sake. And he was so worried about his potentially dangerous driving limitations that he plopped his child in the car with him, too. 
Anyone ever see the episode of South Park where Cartman comes up with the world's worst lie to explain why he took <laughs> particularly damning photographs of himself and his friend in a compromising position? Yeah, Cummings is Cartman. I I like that. Uh, I like that analogy a lot. Me too. He took no accountability and received no sanctions, of course. Yeah, actually, just going back down memory lane, listening to that recap, it was absolutely appalling. And that really struck me, too, the idea that he was going to test his eyesight with his child and wife in the car because he was so fearful that he might uh, not be fit for the drive. I mean, come on. (sighs) But yes, that is just one example of um, a failure to take any kind of accountability, even though Dominic Cummings holds a public civil service position. Um, The entire scandal was just outrageous and it continued on for weeks when many people who themselves could have done with support or could have done with doing any of the things that he said uh, had restricted their movements and restricted what they were doing to follow the guidelines. A lot of people have sacrificed immeasurably in order to protect those around us and when you see someone from a position of privilege breaking those regulations and doing so without any kind of apology or accountability or remorse, it's especially difficult to take. There's been a common theme of uh, of that lately during lockdown and with all these restrictions. It seems like more often than not, the people who make the rules are the ones breaking them and everyone else is just doing their best to adhere to them as best they can. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't really talk about political accountability without bringing up the recent scandal that rocked Northern Ireland in terms of adhering to the rules, which was, of course, the Bobby Story funeral. Now, the funeral took place not too long ago. Must be, what, maybe six weeks ago? Yeah, you know better than I. Um, So it took took place not too long ago, and uh, it was really a very difficult time for everyone in Northern Ireland because... A funeral is an incredibly emotional and... um, Personal. Yeah, it's very personal and very difficult time for so many. And throughout this pandemic, there have been losses felt across all of our communities. And people have been unable to say goodbye to their loved ones, been unable to mourn or grieve in the way that they would normally. Many have been unable to have wakes, unable to go to the funeral It's been extraordinarily difficult. And so when the images came out of the amount of people that gathered for the Bobby Story funeral, a lot of people were understandably quite distressed. And I think that that distress speaks to how personal grief is for many people and how many were sacrificing a lot for the betterment of the rest of the country. What was especially difficult was that there were Uh, leaders of Sinn Féin at the funeral. And since then, they have said that, you know, this was a friend and they had to be there for their community. However, I do think that leaders of political parties should lead from the front and should be setting an example for the rest of us. There will be many who saw what happened during the Bobby Story funeral that will wonder, well, does that mean that I should have just went to my mom's funeral? that I should have just went to my brother's funeral, that I should have went to say goodbye to my dad. Why didn't I do that whenever it seems like it was okay to do it in the first place? And then, of course, for me, it was actually quite a personal um, a personal week because my own grandfather had passed away uh, the day before the Bobby Story funeral. 
And one of the first things that we did as a family was look up the up-to-date coronavirus restrictions on funerals because that was the responsible thing to do and we had to adhere to it. And we did. To a T, we followed those guidelines. Even though it meant that as a family, we couldn't grieve or mourn in the way that we usually would have. And that was difficult. But at the same time, we find ourselves, even though we were restricted in how we could grieve, we find ourselves feeling so immeasurably grateful because we knew that had it been a couple of weeks earlier, that it would have been much more difficult and that there were families that were much worse off than us who didn't get to be together at all, who didn't get to say goodbye. And really, we felt quite privileged, quite lucky that we were able to have some semblance of a send off from our grandfather, even though it was still quite restricted. We didn't walk behind the carriage. We didn't walk him down. There was no, um, what do they call that? Procession. Procession. And that felt very strange. Uh, But of course, there were scenes of that for Bobby Story's funeral. And so for me, I I did feel quite personally struck by that entire uh, escapade. And it's been difficult to see that there has been no accountability in terms of setting a... An example. Yeah, set an example. There has been, you know, no no attempt by the party to set an example. And I think that's what our political representatives should be doing in the middle of a pandemic. They must lead from the front, set an example. And so it makes it easier for the rest of us to follow. Exactly. Human beings in general, and grief is a great binder of all people. And the uh, mutual grief many people experienced over this time when losing loved ones uh forced us all to act in solidarity and and recognize that though of course we'd all love to observe our traditions of old we have to also observe the current rules to protect our community and those who are still with us and to see these representatives of the community and these you know politicians basically just do what they wanted uh without any apology uh and completely in defense of their own breaking and breachings of these rules is disappointing and really disheartening. It is just one example of how we do live in a region where accountability is not something that we see very often. Over the years, there have been a plethora of scandals and a plethora of uh, abhorrent things said by public representatives that go completely unchecked, that really outside of Northern Ireland would not be acceptable. But it is an example of how a lot of what happens in Northern Ireland's politics does actually happen outside the norms of modern democracy. To round off on this uh, episode of political accountability, it seems worth noting um, another subject connected to it, which was, of course, Phil Hogan's Golden Parachute. Um, It seems that since he has resigned as EU commissioner, he's going to be getting a pretty substantial payout coming in at €441,000 before tax. And then, of course, he has a pretty hefty payout pension coming from that position as well. Now, some people will be surprised to hear that figure because he just resigned from his position. And of course, many of us could never dream of seeing that kind of money, never mind being paid that kind of money for not working. Or for working. (laughs) He's getting this to not work. It doesn't 
Uh, that's true. Um, but in reality, Phil Hogan's payout is just part of the system. But that doesn't mean that the system shouldn't be challenged. I think that there is a conversation that should be had around the massive payouts and pensions that our public representatives do in fact receive. I mean, the pays alone are pretty hefty. And it's difficult for people, especially at the moment when we're in the middle of a pandemic where many are losing their jobs, many are struggling financially, to see these massive salaries and high-figure payouts whenever uh, these people have made a serious mistake and risked the health of others. We couldn't even afford the pizza I wanted this week. This is true. We had to make a decision and cut one of the pizzas from the order. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. We wanted to do this episode to discuss what accountability is and why it's important and how it's very much lacking here in Northern Ireland. Our public representatives and political representatives really should be held to a higher standard. And here in Northern Ireland, we joke about it and we laugh about it, about how there is no accountability. Oh, haha, isn't that some crack? But in reality, we're playing up with it and we shouldn't. As a society, we should expect more of our political representatives, more of those holding public office. After all, we are paying their salaries. Well put, Emma. Um, Well, I think this is closing out our third episode of the Hollywood to Hollywood (laughs) contest. The uh, Hollywood to Hollywood podcast. I'll let Emma take the lead with the closing monologue. Thank you so much for listening and as i said in the introduction you can support us via our patreon next week we will be discussing a more light-hearted subject which is jake coming to northern ireland and having to learn words such as scundered i still don't understand that one <laughs> join us next time thank you